Welcome back to Take a Moment. I am Nathan Bennett. I'm Mari Yamaguchi, and today we have some incredible ladies joining us today. One is Barbara Gonzalez, Vice President of Strategic Business Consulting globally here at Genesis. And the other is Janelle Deacon, who is the Senior Vice President of Product Marketing here at Genesis. What an incredible story these two women have. Uh, they have a combined experience of almost 40 years, if not over 40 years yes. in the business of technology. And they've seen how this industry has grown and developed. They talk about the challenges that they've had in what they've had to overcome, mm -hmm. expectations that they've had to defy, uh, boardrooms that they've had to conquer. And it's really, <laughs> really inspiring to watch these two superheroes do what they do. And it's also interesting to hear their philosophies on leadership as well, too. It's been some it's a thread that we've seen running through all the leaders we've talked so far in both season one and season two is that whole idea of having your teams back and, and culture make, building yes, and culture building. So it's been an awesome conversation with these two ladies as they really delve deeper into what really makes for a good team, a good leader and also practical tips on presenting. Right. They're both, neither one of them ever thought that part of their job would be getting up in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people and speaking in public about very complex things, but that's where they are today. And they both do it very, very well, but that's not really where they saw themselves going. So we, we learn kind of what their picture for their lives were when they were younger and how that's deviated to bring them where they are today in the best possible way. And I also enjoy their authenticity and their ability to become vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It really helps to hopefully capture all of you as you're listening into more of their story and into learning more about them and then also being able to maybe take a few tidbits away to apply to your own life as yeah, well. Yeah, and that that principle of like vulnerability isn't weakness. In fact, it's strength. Mm -hmm. And to watch the two of them be really, really candid about their favorite failures and struggles that they have had to overcome is just really, really inspiring. We know you're gonna love this episode. Yes, and so we hope you take a moment and listen with us. Janelle Deacon, Barbara Gonzalez, thank you so much for taking the time, or should I say, taking a moment yeah. and joining us today. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Oh my yeah. gosh. And Janelle, I know you've been here before, so thanks for coming back again. My pleasure. Barbara, this is your first time it with is. us, and we're very, very thrilled uh, to get into all of the topics that we're going to cover today. So thank you both for joining us. Barbara, let's start with you. Okay. Uh, for those listeners who don't know you yet... Let's get acquainted with you. Uh, what is your title? Where do you work? What do you do? And what do you love about what you do? I'm the vice president of business consulting globally. And uh, I've been in Genesis 20 years, so long time. Uh, but clearly that shows how much I love what I do and how much what I love what I do in this company. Customer experience has been a passion for me. Uh, ever since I started with this and, and even before Genesis, because I, I truly believe that you know, even if you just if you're just able to to make somebody's life or day a little easier, you know that that's a huge help, and that's that's in a way helping the world be a better place in my, in, in my book. So that is probably what I love the most about customer experience. A little bit more on the business consulting side, though, we have an opportunity to work with companies all over the world and know all industries 
and and to me that is just just so much to learn in in you know in 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 working with these companies having the privilege to work with these companies and what my team does in helping them see the vision uh and 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 then really write a path on how to get there uh is really really exciting i'm originally from mexico born and raised I've been in the U.S. Uh, about 10 years. I'm, I'm very honored to to now be a U.S. citizen. Uh, but yes, but I am from Mexico, so. Wonderful. Janelle Deacon, yes. what is your very important title? <laughs> Where do you work, what do you do, and why do you love it? Uh, I am Senior Vice President of Product Marketing here at Genesis. Um, like Barbara, I've been here a long time. I just celebrated my 16-year anniversary oh, in anniversary. November. And prior to that, uh, actually, Barbara and I have a, a similar background in our careers. So prior to that, I did three years of implementing our software with a partner of ours. So almost as long as a tenure of Barbara. But uh, I'm really loving uh, being in product marketing. And what I love, too, just around customer experience, I was telling our chief strategy officer about this the other day. The main reason that I stay um, here is the people. We have just amazing employees here and amazing customers that I learn from every day still after all this time being here and just continue to love seeing how I can support in any way. I love how you talk about culture. I was listening to a podcast where the guest was talking about how culture isn't just people buying into a set of beliefs, but it's more about the behaviors. Mm -hmm. yeah. So wanted to kind of pose that to both of you as far as the culture, not only here at Genesis, but in all organizations, mm -hmm. how important is that and how do you help to shape that as leaders? So I think that what makes companies is really the people and what makes people stay in companies is in, in, and enjoy what they do is the people. So, so part of it is, is really having a culture of team collaboration, having a culture of having a vision. You know, a, a lot of people today talk about working or wanting to work for companies that are meaningful, that, you know, that have a, a mission that you can connect with. At least from my perspective, I connect with our mission, right, in, in, in terms of empowering the world with, uh, you know, better uh, customer experience. And I, I, I talked about this before and, and that I do believe that that is, that is a, a noble mission and something that I connect with. And I think a lot of people in Genesis connect to that as well, which makes, you know, this environment of all of us knowing that they're, that we're doing something that is good is not just about the technology, although I got to say, our technology is super exciting. <laughs> so it is really, really fun to work with, uh, to work in a company that has this innovation and always constantly, you know, uh, releasing new products and things that are really good for our customers, but also, you know, that has a meaningful mission. Um, when I think of your question, I think that behavior and mindset are mm -hmm. often very intertwined with mm -hmm. each other. And so uh, I think some of the the values that I really appreciate and I look for in team members, too, uh, is just around collaboration and a desire to work with each other mm -hmm. to uh, around that common mission and the outcome that we're driving towards. I also am really uh, attracted to working with people who have a mindset and a behavior around daring to fail and being willing to take that risk even when it feels uncomfortable or it feels like nobody necessarily likes to fail, but the prospect of, of doing it anyway and, mm -hmm. and living that out, I think, is, is really attractive to, to me in, a, in a, being a part of a culture and that can be really exciting as well. What do you look for when you are building your teams in, Janelle, you mentioned a mindset of daring to fail. Mm -hmm. How do you find the talent 
that you know this is really going to fit in with my team and our culture here at Genesis? And how do you build a diverse team mm -hmm. around you of creative people? And, and continue I know, to foster that. Right. And continue to, right? to grow and build on it. Yeah. I am a little bit more familiar with Janelle's team than I am with Barbara's team. Uh, and what I know from Janelle's team is that she has a very diverse uh, group of people from all different backgrounds mm -hmm. that a lot of them had nothing to do with the technological space or the customer experience space before they were hired onto Janelle's team. And yet she hires these people that probably nobody else would have in this space. And uh, it kind of strengthens everybody when she finds the right person. So I'm interested in how do you, what are those things that you're looking for when you're meeting with somebody, talking to somebody in that interview process where you know, okay, they're going to be a good fit? For me, it's less about asking the perfect set of interview questions because I feel like anybody can have build up the muscle of being a good interviewer and saying what they think the um, person doing the interview wants to hear. To me, where I get the best insight is by giving the person I'm interviewing a task to do. And I'm watching for not only the result, but also the process that they go through in getting there. Um, because when I look for team members, I kind of think of different categories of, of employees. You have low maintenance, high performing, which is the perfect employee for any manager, right? You just, you know, throw up the softball and watch him knock it out of the park, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have high maintenance, high performing, which because they're high performing, they're worth my time. So I will, I will, <laughs> you know, spend time with them and working through the details. So if I give them a task and they ask me 20 questions, that's perfectly fine. They're digging in to understand the context that they need to in order to deliver well. So that's totally great. And I, I like to see where they fit in that. Then you have high maintenance, low performing. Mm, that's a tough one. So you want to either <laughs> look at um, either moving them to the other category or they're not the right fit for your team and they need to you know, be phased out over time. And so you look for kind of in that process and, and how they do the task. Maybe it's as simple as research Genesis and come back to me with a five minute pitch on you know, how you would position, how we can improve the lives of employees and, and customers. And um, seeing, you know, what questions they ask as well as then what creativity and what is their own style that they use in, in delivering that. You can get so much, I think, from that simple task um, that surpasses any magic interview question. I think mm -hmm. that's one. Um, second thing is I hesitate to ever hire someone I don't meet in person because I think even over a video interview, you can miss cues that just understand how they're going to fit in with your team. And to your point, Nate, I really, really like diversity. So I'm not looking for this like one size fits all type of person on the team. And so we'll just invite them to the office for the day and participate in meetings with us. And you can start to understand, you know, how they dig in, what strikes their curiosity, how engaged are they, how serious are they about this position? Because one of the things that I really look for isn't just creativity, but it's also the drive of the person because we are very high performing in, you know, having to do many different priorities all at once. And so I, I look for somebody who has that passion and that drive kind of innate in them. 
you're making me rethink what I have on my resume. So I, at the top of my resume, it says Nathan Bennett. Uh-huh. And then underneath, it, in quotations, it says high maintenance, low performance. Mm, yeah. So um, maybe I should rethink your strategy. Didn't you just yeah. change teams? I did. Okay, I did. Yeah. That's why. That's why. Yeah. And that's what happened. Remember, remember when Janelle talked about, you know, when you don't have the right fit, maybe they go to a different team. Maybe you move them to a different team. And that's why I work for Barbara now. No, I'm kidding. Barbara, what about you? He doesn't, by the way. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, you know, I totally agree with everything Janelle said. I, I think, um, by the way, my team is actually very diverse as well. And I think I'm the prime example of that, you know, leading the team. But but I'm very proud of the the diverse global team that we have people in in um, uh, multiple countries and with different backgrounds. But, you know, the thing about consultants is that they have to have the drive. So you talked about the drive, Janelle, and, and I, I totally agree. And going the extra mile, and I know that saying going the extra mile is like a buzzword. But with that, to me, what that really means is that don't give me, and maybe I'm a little bit more literal about the way they articulate this, but don't give me the, um, this is my job, this is my, my, my role, and don't ask me anything outside of that because you told me that this is my job, this is what you need to do, and that's that, right? Consultants by nature need to go need to go beyond that because you have to ask questions. You have to by nature be able to want to solve problems, right? That that's what we do. And so, so we are very, or at least from my perspective, when I say we, I mean the business consulting leaders that I have in in, in the regions. We always look for people that have the passion to go the extra mile and to be curious and to want to solve problems. And I do ask when I interview people questions about, you know, how would you approach a situation, you know, and, and particularly when there's a challenge or a problem, because I, I, I want them, I, I want to see people that are not complaining about a problem, but I know that there's a problem. Tell me how you're going to solve it. Right. Yeah, provide or, or, or provide, provide. Right. One of the things that I love about Genesis that I love from the very beginning was that, you know, Genesis enables that by nature. Right. So, Sometimes we do too much of it where if you have a good idea and, and you pitch it right, it becomes an initiative. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have too many of <laughs> those, <big> right? <laughs> and, and so so that's a great thing about a company. So I want people that come with initiatives and sometimes the high maintenance, you're right. I do have some of those high maintenance in my team. And if they're listening, they know, you know, you know that I'm talking are. about you. Yes, I but know who they are too. You I used to have your team. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> By the way, Janelle had the business consulting before I did. So he she knows them very well. And uh, but but I love it because because they come with these ideas that eventually become big things, big things, not just for Genesis, but for our customers. We have one of the members of our team, uh, of my team, which is, you know, we love him. And he he wrote a book mm-hmm. on, on his own, you know, and I'm talking about Mark Stanley. I'm just going to call him out because <laughs> I'm so proud of him. You know, it, he, he wanted to do this. There was something that he wanted to say and he went ahead and did it. That's the kind of people that mm-hmm. we want, that we like. You know, I'm very passionate about what I do, and I want people that are passionate about what we do and go beyond what just where your role is supposed to be. You know, nice. I just love what you say about that because customer experience really is not about one employee going, well, that's not in my bucket. That's not my job. And then they stay in their one little lane and, and siloed off, right? Because mm-hmm. like, customers see that and customers feel that. So. Right, and that permeates the entire organization. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if they say, uh, if you're like, if Nate's like, oh, that's not my job, that's Mari's job. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to be like, well, that's my job, but that's not Nate's job. So So none of us are helping each other out at all. (laughs) We're not collaborating. We're not collaborating. We're We're not siloing ourselves. Yeah, exactly. I love how you talked about diversity. Mm -hmm. You both have very diverse backgrounds as you're coming into each of your roles. Tell us about how 
having diverse roles really helped shape your leadership styles. I know, Barbara, you've had stints in marketing, leading marketing, global marketing teams. Um, Janelle, you as well with uh business consulting, solutions engineering as well. So kind of tell us a little bit about how you bring each element from those roles into how you're building and leading your teams now. So I guess, you know, I like how you're talking about diverse roles because I think that that's shaped my career. I think I think both of us, because like Janelle said, and this is what, you know, we when we are together on this, we the more that we collaborate on this, the more we see that our, our careers have similar, very similar paths you know, I started as a as a sales engineer, and so so did Janelle. And you know, being an engineer by by education, and then and being in an engineering role, the amount of stuff that I learned having that that job was just uh, mind blowing, and 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 it shaped my career. Uh, you know, uh, solving problems, and and you know, finding the best way to position things, and and building solutions that can help a customer, escalating issues and things. I mean, it, it's just. The knowledge was just amazing. And then being able to to then from there go to a, a marketing role. I had field marketing for Latin America. That, was, that to me, I don't think that I ever learned more than when I was in marketing. Because I used to think, well, being an engineer, how hard could marketing be? I'm serious <laughs> about this. And then when I when I finally landed in marketing, that was, that was at the time that when Genesis, we were doing the transition to really being serious about digital marketing. I was like, oh, my God. You know, this is science beyond mm-hmm. and I learned in, in my in my four years in marketing more probably than I did in the previous 10 years or something and then you know and then now business consulting so you know having the opportunity to grow in my career in this company in different roles has definitely shaped who I am as a, a, a as a person who I am as a professional and who I am as a leader you know because I do understand multiple things and aspects of the operation of the company and also the operation of our customers. And I think that, that that's just, I'm, I'm just humbled and honored about uh, all having this opportunity and, and be who I am because of that. So I studied math and computer science in college. I was introverted. If you would have asked me then, would I have planned a career that would lead me to being SVP of product marketing at a global company, I, I wouldn't have believed it. It was, it was very unplanned along the way. And in that, it's been a wonderful journey, uh, as, as Barbara said. So I wanted to be an actuary and then a computer programmer. And so I just got my hands on the software and then started into a sales engineering role where I found myself in front of customers every day, um, trying to position and demonstrate and architect the software. And then from there, I took a a leap into business consulting, which terrified me uh, at the time because I thought that entire team, and I was I was right. I thought they were all smarter than me, and and they are all smarter than me. And so I was like, what are they going to look for in me as a leader? But in that, I found that actually my technical background uh, was helpful to them because that was something that they didn't necessarily have. And so being able to bring that expertise to the business consulting community and and be able to validate what they were positioning was a good fit for me. And then I moved into product strategy where I was able to have that background around the business outcomes that we were driving with business consulting, as well as, you know, that customer perspective to influence our product. And then I get to go into marketing where I get to be a part of shaping the story that we tell about it all while still being able to dig in and ask the right questions to product 
um, in order to, you know, understand how to position it right. So it's really been a series of stepping stones where every step of the way has helped me in my next step in ways that I didn't even really realize they would until I got into it. What did you want to be when you grew up? Like when you were little girls, what did you like dream of doing one day? So I actually wanted to be a marine biologist. And it's kind of a funny story. And I'll just say, say, say quickly, where I'm from in Mexico, Monterrey, is, is uh, it's like semi-desert in the middle of the mountains. It's actually, there's no water. So, but I was fascinated by, you know, the ocean and the whales and the dolphins. And I wanted to kind of save the world and, you know, and, and be a marine biologist. My dad said, are you crazy? I mean, there's no water where we live. What are you going to do, marine biologists? No, go do, go do computers. And I got to say, you know, my dad and I bump, bump heads a lot. But in this one, I got to say that he was right because then I fell in love with technology. But that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a marine biologist. Nice. Yeah. I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to be a teacher. There's a sense in which you're still kind of doing that mm-hmm. now. I mean, I know that you are an actual mother, but there is a sense in which you're kind of shepherding your team in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I've personally experienced uh, and watched you handle your team, not like in a condescending way, but definitely like as a guide, as a leader who really cares and is really invested in the success of their team. And also somebody who's really, really good at teaching uh, their teams by lots and lots of different lessons, both hard and easy lessons to learn. Uh, And I'll tell you more about those lessons that I've learned after we come back from our very brief commercial break. Hello again, Josh Reed here, producer of Take a Moment. As we continue our in-depth conversation with Janelle and Barbara, we examine the importance of business consulting and the wide variety of packaged and custom development solutions to provide an implementation strategy that meets specific client requirements. We also take a look at the importance of diversity in building your teams in any workplace. These two strong women have built teams with the principle of broadening the cultural landscape and continue to inspire those who have the pleasure of working with them. To learn more about how Genesis can help you and your company with the topics discussed in today's episode, check out the resources below on Genesis.com. And thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and share, and stay tuned for the next episode of Take a Moment. And we're back. We're talking about lessons learned, and I'm interested in what your favorite failures have been in your life, and if you're willing to share them. And what I mean about favorite failures is, was there something in your life that didn't go the way you had planned or you had expected that you actually later on learned a lot from, and you're really happy that that thing happened to you or that you went through that? Um, What was it and what did you learn? So I just said what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a a mom and a teacher. So my favorite failure is related to the um, first one of those in that uh, I had a really difficult time uh, becoming a mom. And so that wasn't working out in the traditional ways for me. And so it led me to a path of adopting uh, our two kids uh, that we adopted from Ethiopia. And it is my favorite failure because, not getting pregnant that is, um, because I can't imagine not having them in my life, Isaiah and Desta, or having, um, you know, 
kids that that aren't them. And so that uh, I think was actually, even though it was a time that was like really hard, one of the hardest things I ever went through, it is like out of that, uh, like two of the, the best decisions that I made in my life. And I know that you're also now because you've been through that situation, you can also be really, really helpful to other people who might ha- be going through the same situation, right. which is a great, great way to share your experience yes. and to be there loving and supporting those people because, yes. my gosh. Yes. Empathy, right? I yeah. think that was yes. the conversation you and I have had before about the importance of empathy yes. for both your team and yeah. just having that in general. And while it felt like a failure at the time, month to month, it's clearly not a failure now. It's right. like the best. So. Right. So, you know, I, I said that we have similar paths, and, and, and I'll share this. Mine is not the same, obviously, but it's similar in that what I've learned in life is that in order to achieve and to become really what you are supposed to be and what you want to be, you know, you got to be surrounded by by the people that, that can help you get there or that can really not just help you, but you have, have a support system. So I had a similar issue. I, I was never able to get pregnant and, and be a, a, a natural mo- uh, mother, and... In life, you think, and, and so I, I, I put a lot of my energy and my effort in, at work, right? Because that to me was, you know, the, the, the mission that I had at the time when I was younger. And maybe part of my failure was was to not have clear understanding of by surround, surrounding myself with people that would be okay with that, you know, and, and to be supporting of this fact in my life and to help me get to where I wanted to be. And so that was that was failure that that ended up in a, in a failing marriage in a lot of uh, difficult situations. But eventually I learned that and I landed in a beautiful place where I got to meet who, uh, my, my husband, Robert, today and, and my my stepdaughter, Abby, who, who really, I can't imagine my life, mm-hmm. just like you said, without without them. But it's really, it's not just about meeting meeting him and, and fulfilling this this hole in my life of, of being a mother, even if it's a stepmother in my case. But it was really about how supportive they both are on in who I am and how passionate I am about my work. I travel all the time. I, I you know, I, I get really into things sometimes where, you know, there's like Barbara's MIA, who knows who she's at, you know, and but they support this. So that was a failure that was very painful and costly in, in, in my life. But it the learning landed me where I am in a beautiful place with a beautiful family that is very supportive of what I do. I grew up uh, with a mother who was always working. She was mm-hmm. in the workforce and she was a leader in her specific area of expertise in her career. And as much as I hated it at the time, now I look back on it and I go, my gosh, I was so lucky. One, to have a really strong mom who worked her butt off, not only you know at home, but I remember just the the privilege of being able to observe a really, really strong woman succeed and lead. And I don't know what that's like, not being a woman in business and certainly not in technology. And I'm wondering if you can share some of your experiences of your 20 plus years being women in a space where traditionally and in the past there have not been lots of women. Okay, so um, as I said, I'm I'm, I'm from Mexico, and um, and you know back twenty plus years to put it that way, although although that plus is a little bit on the higher end than on the lower end, plus. but it's a bigger <laughs> plus. But um, but you know, I I I 
I started in this, and I don't even know why why I got so stubborn about about going against the current. Because what what I mean by that is that I grew up, even though my dad said do computers, I don't think that he meant going in engineering. And when I said I want to be an engineer, he was like, oh, "Okay, are you sure?" I'm like, yeah, I think I think that's what I want to do, you know. And and my, my most of my friends were doing. You know, things that were more suitable or expected from women uh, back then. Um, and, and, and I went in a different route. So so that definitely was was tough at the beginning and in, 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 in different. And I don't want to I don't want to go too long on this, but in different ways, in the sense that that, yeah, that the environment is where where they're all men. And, and then there's and then there's you. Right. And they. Um, for one, it's just it's just an awkward situation, because at least in, in, in my experience back then, men would be used to work with each other as men. But then when, when you introduce all of a sudden a woman is like awkward for them because uh, they don't know how to deal with a woman, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and we're all engineers and we're all, you know, men and men and, and back in Mexico machos and all these things. And all of a sudden I got to deal with this woman, you know, and, and so so that was awkward from that perspective. I even I even had the experience where customers wouldn't even take me seriously at the beginning. So here comes this girl because on top of that I I tend to look younger you know than than I really was and so they would look at me and they're like who is this person you know why is she now talking about an architecture and you know and then the servers and the stuff that what they would traditionally discuss with other men you know and so so it was it was both internal and then also with customers and then again is that surrounding environment of my personal life where people would be questioning, well, why are you traveling so much? You know, why are you doing all this work? But those things, you know, little things. But I think, I think that it was, it was that environment. And I've always believed that you had to go again the extra mile to to stand out and to what just survive. Sometimes, you know, there would be a meeting where where you have an opinion, you have to yell louder. Or, or, you know, still. But back then, it was much worse. You know, to get people to listen. And a lot of times, even if you had a good point. You say something that is really good, and it's like, damn, that was a good idea. You, you even think to yourself, you know? And then people ignore it, and all of a sudden, some, a guy comes up with, oh, I have an idea. How about this? And everybody's like, wow, that's brilliant. Like, that's what I said. That's what I just you're talking said. about, right? Exactly. So, you know, I, I think that that was, you know, it, it was a rocky road, but I wouldn't change it for the world because that led me to who I am as a person and a stronger person. So, yeah. So a little bit about myself. I grew up in uh, a pretty big family. I had three older brothers. I grew up on a farm. Uh, like I said, I studied math and computer science. So I was kind of used to my whole life being in a room where I was one of maybe the only female or one of the only females in the room. So I was kind of used to it just going through life, even from a young age, where I, I at first didn't notice, or even if I did notice, I didn't like see that it, it mattered all that much that I was, you know, in the quote minority uh, in the room. And I had examples, like you said, um, Barbara, as well, where I was the solution consultant. I might be going into a boardroom with the account executive who might be, you know, a 45-year-old uh, white man. And they would um, they would immediately think that I'm the account executive and he's the solution consultant. He's the technical person, right? And then we'd get into the meeting and I would walk up to the whiteboard and start drawing architecture diagrams. And you could see a shift in the room. And sometimes <laughs> it was it was like, yeah, okay, I see what's going on. There's a few here. rumbles and grumbles <laughs> around the table. Wait a minute. And so... I kind of like breaking stereotypes. I think it, it's kind of fun. And I'm also kind of competitive. So when I was in situations like that, 
in a way, it's kind of like energizing a little bit because you can kind of observe and see what's going on and be like, no, dang it, I have a brain and I'm going to use it right now. And I hope that you listen. Right. <laughs> um, and so. So um, to what to what Barbara said, too, I I'm also very determined. And from my parents, I learned just work ethic and uh, like that determination and that drive from a very young age, too. And so I was very much throughout my career just driven on, you know, digging in, doing the work, competing against myself a lot of times more than anybody else. And, you know, my pursuit towards success along the way. So you both have a time machine. It is made out of a DeLorean. You have uh, three minutes to go back in time and tell your 18-year-old self something. All you got is three minutes. What do you tell your 18-year-old self? To let go of what you think is your perfect plan because it's not going to work out that way and it's going to be better without it. Um, as, as an example that backs that up, when I started at Genesis, I started as a solution consultant, as we talked about, and every year we would have the the job, career conversation with your boss, right? And they'd always ask the question, what do you want to do in X number of years? And I would say, I want to be a solution consulting manager. And as soon as I just let go of that and had a hallway conversation with someone that says, that said, I'd really like a chance to lead people. I feel like I might be good at it and I would enjoy it. A week later, I got an interview to lead business consulting and I got the job. Nice. And nice. It, it's like example after example where the going back to the mom thing, right? Like if I just open up and just be open to whatever possibilities are out there and stop being so narrowly focused on quote the plan, then things could I think could have accelerated or happened sooner than they did. I think to me, I I would if I could go back I would tell my 18-year-old self to face face your fears and it's going to be okay. You know, I, I was always I was always a very fearful person and, and I think I still am. That's surprising. I, well, it's surprising to hear you say that. You know, internally I'm always fighting my own fears and maybe that's why I show up as as a brave person, but internally I'm 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 always terrified of things. And in fact, I've been on main stage, been privileged enough to be on main stage. I'm terrified, but I you know, I face it. I learned to face my fears, but I think I think that when I was 18, I was still in a world where I was so isolated by my own fears. Um, a lot, a lot to do with what you said. I also had uh, the perfect plan in, in in my head. You know, where I was gonna marry someone. You know, have the nice house, the minivan, and the kids and the dog, and then it was all gonna be pretty. And I was afraid to let any different thought. Um, I, I'm not saying so. For example, I wanted to be a marine biologist, and 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 if I had faced my fears earlier, I would have said, "Well, I'm not staying in between the mountains. I'm going to go somewhere in the ocean and actually go and study the freaking whales." I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not happy with what I'm doing. I love what I do, but I guess that would be something just to face your fears and maybe maybe something that I could have done earlier in my life. That's why she's um, in Miami yeah. now. That's why she's in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're like right by the ocean. to those freaking whales. Yes, yes. One <laughs> the way or the other. Not, yeah. a lot, not a lot of whales, more crocodiles and alligators, but yeah. That's it's terrifying. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Nate, you talked about uh, Janelle having the back of her team. We've talked to other leaders in different spaces, and they've talked about that importance of their leaders instilling that in their team members that, hey, no matter what, I got your back. I'm supporting you. I'm supporting you. Tell us about some of those things that you do to let them know that you have their back. 
I think a couple things come to mind. And I actually, I'd like to say that was always in me, but I've had such great bosses over my career that I think it's also something that I learned as a value from them. Uh, and my boss currently is very much like that. And I have your back. And I think it, it comes, it shows up in two ways. One is I get great joy out of celebrating my team's successes, big or small. And I think that that is such an easy thing that takes so little effort and yet is is so fun and can be so rewarding to them and in, in showing in a very positive way that you have their back and you're you're watching and you are celebrating right there with them and you're like raising up uh, their success um, above your own. Um, so I think celebrating successes uh, is key and it can be even little things like um, we started this thing within our team where we we do shout outs of work anniversaries over our, our community. And it, mm -hmm. it literally takes me three minutes to write a little blurb. And if if that help somebody bright help brighten somebody's day then awesome mm -hmm. easy you know mm -hmm. so um, I think celebrating their success number number two is encouraging a culture where you can dare to fail and it's okay you know um, if if you don't show that you have their back and will support then you're not going to have that culture and so I think being able to work with them and be their coach not just their boss is something that I very much enjoy as well I think the last point is is uh, where I was going to go with it too. So I do agree on celebrating their successes. I'm I'm, I'm normally the, the the proudest, you know, when when they do something amazing. I'm normally the proudest in explaining who business consulting is and what they can do and how smart they are and all this. And I always say that I'm I'm honored and privileged to to be the leader of such an amazing team. But it's also about working with them and in, in that when they when they have a challenge or when they're they're approaching something to really work hand in hand with them to give them constructive feedback, not just feedback, but input, right? And so that they can deliver something that is really fantastic and then putting that in the spotlight, that that to me, so it's having their back. In, but that also what, what I learned, I also had great bosses. I had others that were not so great, but the, the ones that were great, I learned <laughs> a lot from them. And I had one in particular that was always about, this guy was so amazing that in his career, he was very proud to say that people that were above her his pay grade were people that he he hired. Mm -hmm. And that was an incredible, inspiring mm -hmm. thing for me. And so I try to do the same, put them in the spotlight, you know, help them uh, get ahead in their career and all this. So uh, that gives me also also great joy, like you said. So, yeah. And what kind of culture does that create? Well, I think obviously it creates one where the employee feels empowered. They feel empowered to take risks. They feel empowered to try try to pursue their own success without worry that somebody else is going to rip it from them and claim it as their own, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all about empowerment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I read somewhere that, uh, you know, you don't work for a company. You work for people and mm -hmm. in a good way. You know, obviously, we work for this company, but what makes the company is the people. And so, and so a lot of times you don't apply for a job. You apply to work for someone. And mm -hmm. and so that to me creates that culture of I, I want to be here because I'm inspired and, and I know that, you know, this is going to be good for me and for the team that I work with, you know. Yeah. And they, they say people don't leave companies, they leave bosses. Right. It's yeah. probably very true. Very true. Now, you both are very, very accomplished public speakers as well. You've both had a lot, a lot, a lot of experience being on stage in front of thousands of people. Did you envision yourselves being 
being public speakers for much of your career. I mean, both of you went into non-public speaking areas of expertise, and yet here you're finding yourselves speaking in front of large groups of people a lot of times for your career. Is that something you envisioned? And if not, how do you cope with that? And what are some best practices that you do to calm those nerves, to allay those fears before you get up in front of thousands of people? Hell no, it wasn't something that I envisioned. I just want to be behind a screen and, you know, code away. So for me, it was very much a, a journey of practice, practice, practice. Uh, uh, Barbara and I had the opportunity for our, our Genesis Women in Technology fireside chat that we had earlier this year to do a, a session around presentation skills. And I, I told about my very first presentation as a solution consultant, which failed miserably. It was horrible, horrible. Like I almost, I had a panic attack. Um, so from that failure. Is that why it failed? Because you had a panic attack? Or did you just so like. I had a panic attack because it failed. Uh, but it what, wasn't my fault. What failed about it? So I was presenting uh, for the first time, right? And the, the projector broke. And my boss was sitting across from me. And instead of having my back, mm -hmm. he was staring at me like I was effing up this deal, <laughs> like like glaring at me. And like my heart starts beating out of my chest. Like I hear it's one of those where you hear it in your ears. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And like I just wanted to like crawl under the table and curl up in a little ball and just like hot, like my voice started cracking. I felt like I was going to start crying. It was terrible. And then he stood up and kind of took over the meeting and I kind of gathered myself and <laughs> finished. And I guarantee we never got the sales surprise, 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 but I guarantee like I remember that more. It was not a memorable experience for the customer in a good way. It was it was bad. So Oh, they remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> they remember, they're probably still telling the story oh, about gosh. the young lady who came remember in. Remember that one time? Remember that one time yeah. when she just clearly had a panic yeah. attack and just yeah. broke down? It was terrible. So in that, like, I have to walk into, especially if it's a big stage and thousands of people, I'm more comfortable now in, like, a boardroom or even if it's a couple hundred people in a, you know, breakout room or whatever, I'm much more comfortable. But if it's, like, thousands of people, bright lights shining on you, my nerves, Nate, you know this, my nerves still get to me and I have to like practice, 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 practice. Maybe I over practice. But one of the things that I I do is I have to have my first sentence down cold because if I can just get through my first sentence, then I can loosen up a little bit more. And if I have a personal story in my message, that relaxes me as well. So it's actually a technique that's kind of for me yeah. too, to like get into myself a little bit more and kind of ignore the scene that I'm in in that moment. Same thing. I, I, I would always get nervous. I had similar experience to Janelle, a very bad presentation that the customer ended up saying, well, why don't you just sit down? Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's <laughs> yes, horrible. Just sit, just, just sit down. And so to me, um, the first time that I, that I've, you know, it, I, it was, you know, in front of a large audience, I was obviously terrified and I start talking I'm just nervous, right? So I say something stupid because I just do that naturally. And I realize that <laughs> I can maybe be a little, bit, here, by the way. <laughs> a little bit funny. And uh -huh. and that learning helped me because that relaxes me. When I feel that connection yeah. with the people and the people yeah. react, whether it's, it's laughing or even when you're in a small uh, audience, when they give you a nod, like when you're saying something and they're nodding in, in a positive way, it's like I'm getting to them. Mm -hmm. 
that relaxes relaxes you a lot so or relaxes me a lot so and I, I learned I gotta say that I learned that from Janelle because the first you know there was this one time that you did a presentation at a sales engineering summit which obviously sounds a lot of fun and very awesome it's awesome it's basically the Disney world of this <laughs> Disney yeah. world right and she was you were doing a presentation I remember you used a, a, an analogy of football going back to basics oh, I'll yes. never forget that one it's Lombardi because I exactly and I learned and what I learned about that was that you know Janelle likes to start with a she doesn't even say hi or anything. She starts with a powerful, uh, you know, sentence. I love that technique. And I guess I copy that a lot because I, I like it. I, I like how you start with, you nail that first sentence and then you connect with the audience. You, you, you know, they feel that you're one of them. Mm-hmm. And so that, that helps me a lot in, in calming nerves when I'm in front of a large audience or a small audience. We've got just a few more minutes left, and we used to ask a question that went something like, hey, what books would you recommend or what books do you have you read that you'd like to give away? Mm -hmm. But I think we have maybe a little bit more Mm -hmm. all-inclusive question, which is what sort of material, be it a podcast, a movie, a television series, or a book, are you reading or have you just read or consumed or experienced that you're loving, that you loved, that you wanted to recommend to other people? This might sound super boring, but I'm going to say it anyway. Is it the history of pie? No, it's not. (laughs) I've been recommending it to people. So one of the things as as, um, anyone in leadership has to balance every day is personal life and professional life, right? And so what I would recommend, I found this amazing planner. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's called of Saver. It's from Saver Life and it's called My Next 90 Days. And it starts you out on this path, very structured of um, here's my vision, here's my plan, and then weekly breakdown of not just what are my work tasks, but um, what am I going to plan for myself this week? And, and what seeds can I plant in others? And it like forces you into the structure. I'm very, I like structure to like intentionally think about those things because otherwise, I don't know about you, but I go through life and it's like, I look back like, okay, what, what just happened the past three months? And you kind of can lose focus. So Saver Life Planner, that's my nerd, <laughs> nerdy <laughs> recommendation, $24.95. You can get it today. <laughs> Amazon.com. No, it's not on Amazon. Oh, it's not on it. Saverlife.com. Saverlife.com. It'll change your life. Oh, man, they need to be a sponsor. So for those of you not in the studio with us, you are looking at me like I'm an idiot. I actually couldn't look at you because I know how excited you were about this thing. And it's the most excited. It's the most Janelle thing I've ever heard. It's wonderful. Have you done it? I love it. Have you used it? The planner? Yes. I I would use that for two days and I would throw it away. (laughs) No, I I would. I would be so excited for it. Mm -hmm. I would buy it. I was going to, I would say. Fill it all out. Yeah. I would, I would fill out the, like the name section and my information (laughs) at the front. Because I, I I got big into like the, remember the Franklin Covey, like, you know, fad back in the day. Yes. I was like in high school, college, and I got my thick Franklin Covey, like day planner that was like the size of three phone books. And I filled out my <laughs> the first like uh, information page, like your name, your address, and your telephone number or whatever. And the I was one like, assignment. Oh. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, check. And then like I used it for like three days, and I was like, 
I don't know. <laughs> this is not quite as transformational, but that's because I'm an idiot. I feel Nate Bennett's judgment from across the table. A little just bit. So a little know. bit. Yeah, I'm sure our listeners care. can hear it. I don't care. No, I'll get you some listener keeper. out there is going to buy that planner exactly. because of this podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. I just no. got, got the giggles because of Janelle. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we're, we're right now going through a lot of transformation and change. I would say not only in Genesis, but in the industry because of this, uh, you know, movement to cloud, SaaS, a lot of companies are going through this, but a huge, ridiculous amount of books lately on transformation, on SaaS, cloud. So very boring too. But, you know, but but there was, there's a colleague at Genesis that, you know, as I was talking to him about this and, and he's actually here in Indianapolis and he he recommended this book. And I, I have to admit that I had to go to my phone and, and look for it because I'm terrible. I remember names of books. When people ask me, well, what would book would you recommend? I I swear to God, I do read the book books, but I can never remember the names or much less the authors. Uh, but I did look it up and it's it's called Imagine It Forward. And the author is uh, Beth Comstock. It talks about the power of change, but in a very mindful way. She talks about creativity. She talks about courage. And he actually told me a story about, I think that this author is friends with his mom or something, and he just met her in New York. Anyway, it was was a cool story. So I bought the book, and it's really, really good. It talks about change. And and this applies. I like it because, you know, we're going through that right now at, at, at work. But in the world that we're living right now, you know, change is a new constant. It's like everything is changing. It's changing really, really fast. And and so she talks about getting, getting, you know, comfortable with the fact that your world is changing and it's changing all the time and how to really be creative and encouraged about it. So that that's a good that's a good read. Love it. I love it. Janelle, Barbara, thank you so much for your time, for your energy, for your leadership, for your smarts, for your insights. You guys are incredible and inspirational. Thank you so much for taking a moment with us. Thank Thank you. you. It's awesome.